Well, hey, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So good to have you with us today. A fascinating conversation is ahead with Mark Ostriker uh, about teenage brain development. Is this, if this is something that you've never thought about in your youth ministry, uh, it's really I think it's going to blow your mind as it did mine when I first heard Marco talk about this. But just before we get into that converse, conversation and I introduce Marco to you, I want to tell you about uh, Limitless Oxygen. This is a, a training opportunity for youth and children's workers and actually it's aimed at the whole of the youth and children's ministry volunteer team to get some fresh input together at the start of the year. It's on the 2nd of October and it's happening in seven locations across the UK all at the same time. So we're in Exeter, we're in Coventry, Letchworth, Manchester, Kilsyth, Leeds and Dundonald in Northern Ireland as well. So there's a location near you. It's only £5 to get into. So really, really accessible for you and your team. So go check out limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash oxygen where you can find out all the info, get your team booked in. We pray that's something that's really going to serve you and your team as you embark upon a new academic year serving young people. Now, I'm really delighted to have Marco, uh, Mark Ostriker with us today, uh, because if you've been listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast for a while, or or maybe you picked up uh, uh, my book uh, and you've read that through, you'll know that one of the things I talk about often is how, uh, because of the transient nature of youth ministry, we have too few seasoned experts. You know, expertise is, is something that you can't develop in two or three years. It it usually takes decades of reflective practice to really master something. Um, and Marco Stryker is that guy who's been in youth ministry uh, over the years, I'm, I mean, Marco, I won't give away your age or anything like that. But Marco, you you you, you were uh, you were in, in youth ministry in a local church. You then joined the youth specialities team. Uh, after that, you founded uh, the youth cartel, helping youth workers and uh, and youth ministry through through resourcing, coaching, training events, all that kind of stuff. And throughout that time, you've been a volunteer youth leader in the local church as well. Uh, and Marco, we had a we had a chance meeting in five guys in Birmingham one day uh, at the conference where I heard you speaking about this topic and it was so so helpful so thank you Marco thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it's brilliant to have you with us yeah I'm excited to be here fantastic fantastic Marco I can't I cannot have a conversation like this without asking first of all where you are and crucially what time is it where you are yeah yes I live in San Diego California so that is in the far southwest corner of the United States. I have the Pacific Ocean is 15 minutes, 20 minutes west of me, and the Mexico border is 20 minutes south of me. So there's nowhere further to go southwest in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is 9, 11 a.m. So I, am, I think I'm eight hours behind you. Yeah, so it's uh, 11 minutes past five in the late afternoon evening uh, right yes. here in the UK. So there you yeah. go. That puts that into perspective. Um, and Marco, you don't need to worry. We've all um, we've all seen Anchorman, so we know where San Diego is. <laughs> um, <laughs> all 
All right. So, so Marco, for, for, the, for the benefit of those who haven't met you, haven't heard you before, what I'd like to do just before we get into this, this really fascinating topic about uh, teenage de- de- brain development and how that impacts us in, in youth ministry, I want to do a bit of a quick fire round. Is that all right? A bit yeah. of a getting to know you situation. So, so here we go. So, so Marco, years in youth ministry. This is my 40th year. Wow. Four zero, 40th year. Four decades serving God, yeah. serving young people. I That's love it. Rough, roughly a little less than half of that was as a paid youth worker in churches, and a little more than half of that now has been a combination of leading ministry organizations, training organizations, and being a volunteer uh, at my church. I yeah. love it. So great. So great. And it, it, this is probably going to be an extremely difficult question to answer, given that you've been in youth ministry for decades. But uh, I would love to know a youth ministry highlight. I'm not, I was going to say the highlight uh, of your experience in youth ministry, but that's probably too hard. So just a youth ministry highlight, something that you've loved. Yeah, I, I can't pick one. It's Go the, on. This is... This Go is on. the hardest question. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll give you a highlight from the last year. That's good. I, I, I'm currently, uh, 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 I this last year I led uh, what we call uh, seventh grade boys. So that would be like uh, 12, 13 year old boys, yeah, small yeah. group at my yeah. church. And um, my most challenging kid by far is a kid named Caleb. Um, he's, he's tough. I mean, he's a sweet kid, but he's, he destroys every attempt at getting anything meaningful done. Um, and, uh, in the, the winter months of this year, we did a kind of a retreat, but it was just in the church parking lot in the car park. Um, so we called it a stay treat because we didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I shared with the kid, I was the speaker at it, and I shared with the kids who were there um, about how my my mother-in-law was dying that weekend in our home. And I was running back and forth between speaking to them and taking care of my mother-in-law. And Caleb, this kid that just shows no spiritual interest, no maturity at all, after I came off stage, he was standing by the side and he asked me if he could he could walk somewhere quiet with me, which I assumed he wanted to ask me a question or something. He wanted to pray for me. It was the oh, sweetest so thing. It was just, it was a lovely, lovely, it gave me a little, it felt more like a, a reminder from God that, hey, keep working with Caleb. There's something there. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, no, that's so good because, you know, often in youth ministry, we feel like, is this going in? You know what I yeah, mean? As we're totally. doing it. And then you get those little yeah. moments like that where you, you see that glimmer, you see that glimpse. Oh yeah. God is doing something yeah. here. Yeah. Yes. No, I love yeah, that. That's exactly. so good. That's so good. Well, um, I definitely think you're going to have a few of these then over four decades, uh, a youth ministry fail. Oh my gosh. There's so many, um, <laughs> so many. Uh, the one that first comes to mind is the time that I lost a, 13 year old girl in a very bad neighborhood of Chicago oh, and, <laughs> and didn't know that I had lost her. Oh, uh, she was in the bathroom at, at McDonald's when uh, we stopped there with our group late at night and then the restaurant closed. And so we all left and it was a small enough group that I didn't bother counting because I could see them all. Oh, and no. 
and we emptied the restaurant. I didn't know she was in the bathroom. But we got in our van and we drove like a mile to uh, the kind of uh, gosh, I, it was a, it was a vacant uh, apartment complex that the ministry were working with owned, and so that's where we were staying. And um, it was you know uh, it was a really sketchy neighborhood, and we were there for two hours. No it way! Like, it was time to go to sleep. Uh, I was just getting no to sit down there, and one of the kids comes to me uh, and says, "Hey, Laura's down pounding on the on the outside door, which was locked up for the night." And I was like, "Why is she outside? That doesn't make any sense." Oh. And they're like, "I don't know, but she's out there." And I I had no idea, and she had actually figured out she had walked you know, at oh, 11 gosh. o'clock at night through this. Yeah. Anyhow, just but, but the, uh, Marco, the real qu- could have happened. <laughs> yeah. The real question is, did you, or did you not tell the parents? Oh, I told the parents. Oh, well done. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, I've been asked that question before and there were, I, there's been countless times when I have uh, infuriated parents hers were gracious so there was no more to that story than that okay yes. good oh mate that's a bad one <laughs> um, yeah, all right really bad. okay best youth ministry game that listeners can steal yeah i think my favorite at the moment <clears throat> is i like just because it's so easy uh we call it uh, head shoulders knees and cup have you heard of that one yeah except we um, do head shoulders <laughs> knees and shoe Oh, yeah. So Take you just your, put a somebody takes a shoe off and puts it in the middle. Puts it in the middle, yeah. So this is when yeah. this is when you, somebody calls out head, teeth, eyes, and you touch your various body part, and then they say shoe, and you've got to grab the shoe, right? Or yeah, and cup. you're facing. Yes, we put like a a, a red plastic cup upside right. down, yeah, on the floor. Yeah, uh, uh, easy, yeah. fun. Kids don't get tired of it. Yeah, it's a great game. I always want to play it. Yeah. Although you know what, Marco, I feel like. Um, I feel like I should really tell you this, although I may end up regretting it on the podcast. My biggest ever youth ministry fail is associated with head, shoulders, knees, and shoe. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So it's Limitless Festival, right? Which is our summer event. There's like 1,300 young people in the main uh-huh. venue. And yeah. we're playing head, shoulders, knees, and shoe. Um, cause obviously we didn't, we didn't want to provide that many cups. Right. So we're just doing it with people's shoes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, uh, what the idea that we had was we'll start with everybody. And you know, uh-huh. when you don't get the shoe, you sit down yep. and yep. if you get the shoe, you go, you find another person. Right. Of course. So, yes, so of course. Uh, I would have done the same thing. Right. And what we're thinking is we're going to have a semi-final and a final on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, so we start doing this and because there's so many people it's taking a lot longer than i'd anticipated uh-huh. and so i'm kind of, it's starting to get really boring to me and i'm thinking look uh-huh. people are now fidgeting around who haven't been playing since the first round you know i'm really trying to like speed things up as as much as i can i'm i'm trying to like make it interesting we we've done so many rounds and so i'm trying to think of like body parts <laughs> that we haven't ah, done oh right no. <laughs> yeah. oh no so, so now, semi-final, we've got four people on stage facing each other, and we're, we're shouting out like eyes, ears, you know, back, whatever it is. Uh, and and I'm just, all I'm thinking about is 
I want this to be over. This has been going on for too long. We need to get into the session. <laughs> I know. So, I know that feeling. <laughs> right. So that I, so I'm not. I'm not even thinking about who is on stage playing the game. It's just not in my head at all. All I'm thinking about is we've just got to finish this now. We've got to move on. So head, eyes, you know, elbows, all of that. Um, and then I go nipples. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Not thinking that there's like a 16 year old girl on the oh stage playing head, shoulders, knees, and shoe. And the thing about this, Marco, is that I'm so like I'm I'm so not thinking about it that I didn't even notice that I'd done it until afterwards, oh, when Laura, who's co-hosting with me, came up to me, just looked me in the eye, and went nipples. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That's so is amazing. Oh man, that is my that is my worst youth ministry fail ever, and I never live it down with my team. I'm and, surprised and, that the entire room full of fourteen hundred teenagers didn't just go nuts. No, they they. I think I think it was shock more than anything. Yeah, do you know, do you know plus what they I mean? Were, plus, they were as bored with the game as you were. <laughs> right, 100%. It was going on way too long. But listen, if you're listening to Limitless Egypt podcast today and you're thinking about coming to Limitless Festival in the summer, I can guarantee you that that will never happen again. So... Uh... It will be 100% nipple-free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't believe I've told that story on a podcast. I'll probably edit That's it beautiful. out. Okay. Um, so, Marco, what are the things that really... Like, outside of youth ministry, what are the things that really make you come alive? What gives you life... What restores you? What replenishes you? What refreshes you? What fills your bucket, as they say? Um, I mean, my family. I just love being with my family. That's probably the number one thing outside of ministry. Um, I have a wife of 35 years, and I have a 27 and a 23-year-old kid, and we're all very close. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's that would be, the outside of ministry, that would be the main thing. Yeah, yep. great. Now, now we, we've spoken about how like, you've been doing youth ministry for four decades, but in an alternate reality, if you weren't a youth leader, if you weren't in youth ministry, what would you do? What would you be doing? I tell you, this is a hard question. And, and because I was not at all sure that the youth cartel, the ministry that I lead was going to make it through the pandemic, um, I'm more confident today, but... Um, uh, last uh, summer through fall, there was probably four mm. months where it felt unlikely that we were going to survive. Yeah, wow. um, I I actually spent a lot of time thinking about like, yeah, what else would I do? And the the sad short story is I don't know. Yeah. But, so it's different. You're asking in an alternative universe where. I would succeed. What would I want to do? Right. I, the problem is I don't know. At fi- I'm 58, by the way. And at, at 58, I'm not sure what else I could do at this point, but uh, I think I would love to be, this is random, the head of culture development for a tech startup. Uh... Specific. So like internal culture of the team, that would be, kind of my thing yeah no that's cool that's cool that's cool now um i'm going to finish with this one and it's an important one you've 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 traveled you've spent a lot of time in england i have Uh, marco you ever had a cream tea i'm embarrassed i don't know what that is Uh, that's not just a 
a tea with milk in it, right? No, no, no. A cream tea, Marco, is well, next time you're over, we'll meet up and we'll have a cream tea. Um, right. A cream tea is a is a is a it's a, well, it's an English classic, really, particularly Devon and Cornwall. And now I'm from Devon, and there's okay. a uh, so I'm just going to float this at you. I'm going to see what you think. Uh-huh. So cream tea. So you have, you have a cup of tea or a coffee, and you yeah. have with it a scone or some people. Yeah. Some people who are uh, kind of more well-to-do than me would say a scone, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's how with, we pronounce it. with this scone or scone, you have jam and you have yeah. cream. Jam and cream, okay? And the cream the cream would be that, like, clotted cream that I would get if I went to a... That's exactly little, it, Marco. You're with me. You're with me. Afternoon tea at Harrods, yes. That is exactly... You're, you're, you're exactly along the right lines. <laughs> so I want you to imagine, Marco... You, your cup of tea comes out. It's a fancy. You got a fancy little cup and a teapot, and yep. your scone. Your scone comes out, and yep. you've got a little ramekin or something with clotted cream in, and yep. then you've got a little ramekin with some fancy jam in. The question, yep. Marco, is this: Which are you putting on your scone first? Jam Before I answer, or cream. Yeah. Before I can answer, can I just ask: Is this like a divisive? Thing that people yes, actually care about yes yes it is marco ah, yes it that's is interesting well i'll give you my answer is pretty simple the answer would be the cream for sure but that is because i like new things and adventure and to me i can get jam everywhere but we don't have that clotted cream here mm. um unless maybe you go to uh you know a Britishy kind of little place, right? So we don't have it. So I would go to that because it's novel to me. Yeah, Marco, that's the right answer. Congratulations. Okay. Uh, and the reason it's the right answer clearly is because your cream is your kind of butter substitute. It's your dairy. Oh, that makes sense. So that yeah. goes on first, and then the jam goes on top of that, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. I the am... other way does seem odd. Yeah. It's kind of like a Devon v Cornwall thing. There's a different. Anyway, mm, we're not here to talk okay. about jam and cream. We are here. <laughs> well, hey, that was a great podcast. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for chatting. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time on the Limitless Loop. No, uh, we are here to talk about uh, the teenage brain and the development yeah. of the teenage brain and how coming to an understanding of that can impact how we do youth ministry. And I, as as I said earlier, first heard you uh, talk about this at the National Youth Ministry Weekend over here. Uh, in the UK and I found it so helpful so fascinating I went away I bought the book I did some extra research on it I even prepared a lecture for our guys at Regents Theological College around this thing so I thought how how is it that I've been in youth ministry for this long and I've never gotten into this I've never understood this and I really feel like I've missed something and so I, I really think this conversation is is going to be helpful but Marco, uh, and I, I, I'm conscious as well that we're going to scratch the surface of this in this yes. conversation. Yeah, and so, that's all. Right. Yeah. So, so, so we will give some resources for further reading and further study and all that kind of stuff. But how is it that understanding how and when uh, the teenage brain develops in different ways can impact the way that we do youth ministry? Uh, I mean, the brief answer is that I think it impacts everything that we do in youth ministry, um, or it should. Um, in fact, I, I think I've uh, said before that understanding teenage brains is probably the second most important thing to do to increase your effectiveness in youth ministry. Well, wow. uh, Only following 
uh, developing your own intimacy with Jesus, which is first. Uh, Gosh. But after after that, I think it is literally the second most important thing in terms of increasing your effectiveness, like going from, yeah, I, I'm able to practice youth ministry and do things well, and then seeing a marked improvement because it impacts my planning. It impacts my interactions with parents. It certainly dramatically imp- impacts my teaching and my mm-hmm. conversations with teenagers. Um, I mean, yeah, it just, uh, it impacts everything. So that's the short answer. Um, uh, and, and I guess like maybe some of the fear as we engage in this conversation is, you know, what, to, so I have to be like uh, a youth worker and a neuroscientist now is, but you, you, <laughs> like, you don't have to have a, a, you know, degree in biomedical sciences in order to, to understand enough of this to impact yeah. the way that, that you do, do youth ministry, do you? So like, what, give me some of the key headlines. Like these are like some of the key things you'd need to know. And then, and then maybe we'll break those down and, 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 and take them a bit, bit at a time. Yeah, I mean, and we can, we'll, I think, probably cover a lot of ground here, but there's really one headline. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of really minor, you know, page eight headlines, Mm -hmm. uh, but the one thing that people need to understand uh, is all about the onset of abstract thinking and what that means, what that means for teenagers. So that that's the headline. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let, let's let's hold off on that because I've got a few questions yep. a little later on around yep. abstract thinking and how and how that um, impacts in different ways in youth ministry. Because you, you're right, I think that was my key takeaway um, from when yep. I heard you when I read the book and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so, but let's just kind of break it down. Let's try and get an understanding of of the brain and 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 how it develops. Um, so, taking it a bit at a time. Uh, tell us about the temporal lobes. So the temporal lobes are responsible for emotional interpretation, for understanding. Um, and, and, and here's a little quote from your book, uh, A Parent's Guide to Understanding the Teenage Brain, um, which I think can equally be a youth worker's guide to understanding the teenage brain. I found it helpful from yeah. both uh points of view. So it says this, the temporal lobes are an area of significant underdevelopment in teenage brains. The temporal lobes, we each have a left one and a right one, are responsible among other things, for emotional interpretation and understanding. They're underdeveloped in all teenagers, but are significantly more underdeveloped in guys. So why is this important to understand? Yeah. Um, well, I it gives me a significant increase in patience toward uh, the guys in my small group who are missing emotional cues, which if I didn't know this about the underdevelopment of their temporal lobes and the fact that it's very hard for them to identify emotions, even in themselves, let alone in other people. Um, if I didn't know that, I would just think they were being jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so true, or that they were, you know, yeah, in short. And my understanding of this gives me more compassion and patience. Mm. And uh, you know, a similar, uh, similar kind of a case study would be, uh, if, uh, if I ask a kid who, uh, either does something kind of, uh, makes a bad choice, uh, for emotional reasons or is acting sullen or something. And I ask, you know, what are you feeling right now? You know, or something like that. And if that kid says, 
I don't know. If I didn't understand about the underdevelopment of temporal lobes, I might think uh, that kid is avoiding going to the real answer. Mm. But because of my understanding of it, I realized I, it's most likely that he really doesn't know. He's feeling something strong. He just doesn't know how to, how to identify it um, mm. and needs help. So I would say this, this, so the first implication really is that it, it helps me have more patience. The second is more of an action item for me. And that is that I need to be the, I need to regularly function as the surrogate temporal lobe. Yeah. I love years. that. Yeah. Um, and so if there's a, if I notice a kid kind of missing something, let's say uh, one of my small group guys is showing some strong emotion and another kid is missing it and responding in kind of a jerky way, well, it, it might most likely be that I can help him to notice and understand that emotion and that would change uh, his behavior in that space. And then hopefully helping him to exercise his temporal lobes will increase uh, his you know move toward those puppies being uh, more functional. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so you know, we 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 talk a lot, don't we, these days about emotional intelligence and um, yeah. social skills and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But literally, there's a there's a function in the teenage brain here, uh, particularly in that of guys, that is uh, uh, underdeveloped in such a way that it's almost fighting against them being able to have that. Uh, emotional yeah. in- intelligence and, and those. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk about abstract thinking more, but realize that e- emotional uh, understanding emotions requires abstract thinking. So we've got yeah. this double. Kids are dealing with this double hit. They're mm. new at abstract thinking, and so it's hard for them to process the abstract nature of emotional experience, and the part of their brain that is supposed to help them the most with that is underdeveloped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Let, 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 let me skip ahead to, to, to neurons. This is maybe something that people are familiar with. We've kind of heard this term before, but maybe you could explain that for us, um, Marco, n- neurons and you know what they are and how they develop and how that impacts learning and how that impacts faith formation in, in particular. Yeah. Well, so neurons are just the electrical wiring of the brain. It's how information moves around and bundled together. We refer to them as neural pathways, and they're the information superhighways of the brain, right? Um, There is a very interesting process that's happening during the teenage years um, called myelinization, and that is when the neurons get a sheathing on them that increases their speed by about a hundredfold. So, I mean... I don't, you don't need to know that. That's just interesting. Teenage brains, by the time they finish their teenage years, they are the best that a brain will ever be, Mm. right? They're, they're fast. They're, they're speedy. They're more dependable, right? The, the thing that I think we maybe want to touch on though, that'll be helpful and uh, maybe new to a lot of people is uh, this very interesting thing that happens with neuron develop development during the young and middle teen years. So thanks to the invention of the MRI, uh, about 15 years ago, we started doing uh, real-time non-invasive scans of healthy teenage brains. 
Mm. which led to some shocking discoveries. Um, the biggest one of those was that the human brain isn't done developing until the mid to late 20s. All science thought that uh, until literally until about 15 years ago, all science thought that the uh, brain was fully developed on average by around age seven. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. And we discovered a whole bunch of things like the underdevelopment of the temporal lobes. And we're going to get to the prefrontal cortex in a yeah. moment. Yeah. But this neuron thing was another thing that was discovered. Uh, the, your brain has billions of neurons, and it's a fairly static number all through life uh, until in your 70s it starts to trail off. But there's one spike in the quantity of neurons in your brain. Two years prior to the onset of puberty, your brain grows millions of additional neurons. And then in the four years after the onset of puberty, so think roughly 11 to 15 years old, um, the brain cuts away, eliminates the same amount that it added, but not the same ones. And uh, the process of elimination is based on what was used and what was not. Yeah. Those neurons that are highly used during the young and middle teen years get to stay and play for the rest of life. And those that are not used get eliminated. And in, again, around 11 to 15 years old. So this is why, like, if you want to be a world-class football player, you can't start playing at 14 years old. You have <laughs> to have been playing prior to that. If you want to be a world-class cellist, you have to have been playing the cello prior to that age. This is why if you move from Cornwall to London, who look at me pulling down the... Uh, you, <laughs> I don't even know if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know, you could move from Cornwall to London, yeah. <laughs> or is that like the same place? No, it's definitely not the same place, Marco. Let's say this. Let's say this. If you move from Glasgow to London, okay, yeah. let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And you did it at uh, eleven years old, twelve years old, you would lose your Scottish accent, and you would, you would. Uh, pick up a London accent. Mm -hmm. But if you moved after 14 years old, you would hold on to your Glasgow accent for the rest of your life. That's, mm. This is why. Because in those years, the, the neurons that are eliminated then creates a what's called, this is not my term, neuroscientists use this, a hardwiring of how the brain works yeah, for the rest yeah, of life. Yeah. Now, this is a stewardship question, Tim. It's a question of what are we going to do then during those 11 to 15-year-old years um, in terms of stewarding our opportunity to shape brains for a lifetime of vibrant faith. Exactly. And if our entire emphasis is only on cramming correct information into them, like a banking model that we can then pull back out later, then all we're doing is hardwiring their brains for that forever, which is not really a vibrant faith. Yeah, I think more so would be how do we develop their brains for a lifetime of asking hard questions and looking for truth, right? So that's, I think, the implication of that. What, what are we going to focus on in those young teen years? And, and I remember when I first heard you talk about this, Marco, and I, I, I think my, my takeaway as well as the practical implication that you've just spoken about there was if anybody has ever doubted how important youth ministry is there's yeah. your answer because what you've got there is a real opportunity to 
to help young people build something, a, a faith foundation that will last them neurologically for the rest of their life. Right. Like how, yep. What an incredible legacy, what an incredible impact you can have on the life of the young person. And how important then is it what we're doing and yeah. that, we, that we do it in the, in the very best way? You know, maybe another side comment. Um, my understanding, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this because I've heard it from a lot of you guys, uh, is that, you know, one of the many, many shifts that has been taking place in uh, youth ministry in the UK is that you're, uh, the, the teenagers that you're working with have skewed younger on average that a lot of the older teenagers are not coming to youth groups anymore. And that so much of so many of uh, youth groups that used to be, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds are now 13, 14 year olds. And I know that for some people, they are lamenting that. Um, but I want to encourage you, this young teenage group is absolutely critical for faith formation for mm -hmm. a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. And, and is that why this is your favorite age group to work with the younger teens? Uh, it is my favorite age group. I mean, that's who I've uh, I was going to say done my hands on ministry with, but that's bad phrasing. So it is my favorite. I would say that I stumbled into it in the first church that I worked in. I was a volunteer first. They needed more help in that area. And so I was like, okay, fine. Um, but then I, learned more and increasingly just fell in love with the importance of this age group. Yep. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Okay. So um, I just want to, I just want to let you fly here then a little bit, Marco, because I'd love it if you could talk to us about the prefrontal cortex, uh, the amygdala and crucially uh, the anterior cingulate. Um, oh, what are goodness. these yes. things, you know, how are they developing in, in teens? Why does this matter for youth ministry? Go for it. Okay. Let's do this quickly, but, Everybody listening, put on your thinking caps and just be focused for like four minutes because this this is going to blow your mind more than anything else in the whole podcast. But you get but you're going to have to like be focused. OK, mm. so grab your tea and uh, and you're scone and you're scone. <laughs> OK, here we go. Prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's right behind your forehead. It is the logic and rational thought center of your brain. It's what separates us from all other animals. No other animals have that, okay? In the very back of your brain, near your uh, brain stem, is a little almond-shaped and sized uh, part called the amygdala. That's, for those of you who care, that's spelled A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. -A. And the amygdala is the fear center of the brain. All animals have, well, at least all mammals have an amygdala. Okay. It's what creates fight or flight in, uh, in animals and us, right? So the amygdala, fear, the prefrontal cortex, rational, logical thought, they do not get along and they don't communicate well. It's very interesting design that I, I'd love to ask God about one day, right? <laughs> they don't partner well and almost always one overrides the other one. Right. Uh, yeah. So this is why you, uh, you know, you pay money to go into a, a haunted house is that what you guys would call them too yeah 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 pay or to go to a scary movie 
right? Yeah, and you yeah, know yeah. you're not going to get hurt. There's nothing actually going to do damage to you. And yet, in that scary moment, your amygdala overrides the logic of your prefrontal cortex, mm. right? So, uh, and you are terrified, right? Yeah. So in between, like think of it as a thick blanket behind the prefrontal cortex is this thing called the anterior cingulate, A-N-T, anterior, and then cingulate spelled C-I-N-G-U-L-A-T-E. Anterior cingulate is like a buffer between those other two. Uh, and uh, you can think of it almost like a fulcrum, like the center of a, of a weight scale, and you've got uh, fear uh, of, and the amygdala on one side, prefrontal cortex logic and rational thought on the other side, and the amygdala or in the anterior cingulate in the middle, bringing balance to the two. Yeah. But yeah. that's all good. We've known that for a long time about brains. The new discovery is the role that that plays in faith. And the scientists who discovered this are not Christians. Uh, so it's not that they were trying to prove something they already believed, which I, I think makes it kind of fascinating. Which of those three parts of your brain is most developed has an enormous implication on your understanding and experience of God? If you have a highly developed amygdala, in other words, you've let fear uh, take a real strong mm -hmm. role in your life, then you will likely have a fear-based faith that is probably legalistic. You're trying to avoid the wrath of an angry God. Mm. If you have a highly developed uh, prefrontal cortex, you'll have a logical and rational faith that you can explain well, but will lack compassion. Mm. But if you have a highly developed anterior cingulate, it allows you to understand and experience God as personal, compassionate, and other than myself. In other words, I am not God. So I want to mm. say that that's the key line here. If you have a highly developed anterior cingulate, it allows you to understand and experience God as personal, compassionate and other and develop you develop the ability to notice the needs of other people and be compassionate toward them i think this has just giant implications for all kinds of stuff yet to be explored i did some thinking about a year ago about what would it what does anterior cingulate leadership look like right <laughs> how do i how would i be a better youth worker if i develop my anterior cingulate because so often what I need to be better at is compassion. And that's mm -hmm. driven by that part of my brain. Now, one more piece that was discovered that's now your mind is really going to get blown. How do we develop our anterior cingulate? And, you know, you can develop your amygdala by giving yourself over to fear all the time. You develop your, uh, your prefrontal cortex by thinking logically and rationally a lot. Your interior cingulate, the number one way to develop it by far, they discovered, was through prayer and meditation. Wow. And the number, and the number two way is through uh, what the scientists would call spiritual singing. I would say it's worship, but music worship. But you can't just listen to it. You actually have to, it has to be intoned. You have to sing it out loud. So if you spend, get this, this is research here. If you get, spend 10 minutes a day, six days a week, in prayer and meditation, you can grow the size and strength of your anterior cingulate by 50% within two months. And that will revolutionize your understanding and experience of God. And I'd like to believe it would actually make you a better leader because you'll develop more compassion. Mm -hmm. 
Now, listen, this fits in a beautiful theological framework for me of how God in God's amazing love for us invites us into partnering with Jesus in the ongoing restoration of the world, including our own brains. How Mm. freaking cool is that? Absolutely. uh, Yeah, incredible. And it reminds me, um, I I read something, Marco, in... um, my preparation i mentioned that i you know having been inspired by what you said prepared a lecture for our guys at, at regents about this um mm-hmm. and, and i i read an article um in relevant magazine on on their website actually and let, let, let me read this to you um it says because uh, it, it speaks to what you were just saying people who regularly focus on god's love through prayer and meditation change they experience less stress and they even experience a reduction in blood pressure their prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain associated with focus and attention, becomes more active over time, helping them avoid distraction and be more intentional. They also have more activity in their anterior cingulate cortex. That's the part of our brain associated with, as you said, love, compassion and empathy. Focusing on God's love uh, uh, makes us more loving and less angry. It's easier to forgive others and ourselves. Science tells us that there is tremendous power in prayer. God will be most active and transforming in your brain if you pray for 30 minutes a day, at least four days per week. If you've ever wondered how to be closer to God or why your walk with God is difficult, science says that the answer is prayer. I just yeah. think, yeah, it's so good. And, and you know, what, it's, what it speaks to me about, Marco, and, and I um, feel like I'm a bit of a broken record on this one, but I just think one of the priorities for every youth leader in youth ministry who's seeking to make disciples, followers of Jesus, is teaching our young people how to spend time with God on their own. Yeah. Like daily yeah. in scripture, in prayer, meditation. That right. has to be right at the top of our agenda, doesn't it? And what you've just said there about the anterior singular, and you know, speaks to that yeah. from, from it's, it's true in scripture and it's been true in scripture for thousands of years. And, and science is only proving that what scripture says right. is true, right? And we don't have yet, we don't yet have research about the anterior singulate in teenagers and i don't so i can't speak with authority as to i mean they would be there uh maybe they're underdeveloped maybe they're not i I don't have that information and yet i would say how cool would it be if kids uh at you know 15 years old start to develop those habits and to shape their brains for a lifetime of that rather than Leaning to needing to learn it when they're 38 or 58. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really. Now, really I cool. will say, <clears throat> since we've mentioned the prefrontal cortex, maybe I'll take a slight left turn here, but it's related. The other thing that was uh, discovered was a huge shock when uh, uh, MRIs became normative was that the prefrontal cortex, that logic and rational thought uh, part of the brain, which is also where abstract thinking resides. That is significantly underdeveloped in teenagers. Again, science did not know this until 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and now we understand that abstract thinking and the everything that the prefrontal cortex does, logic, rational thought, decision-making, wisdom, focus, empathy, all of those things are not fully there until the mid to late 20s. 
Wow. So that has big implications. Now, pause button. Huge question that I ask parents, uh, youth workers, anybody who's thinking about teenagers these days. Do you see teenagers as a problem to be solved or as a wonder to behold? Wow. Do you mm. view teenagers as a problem to be solved or a wonder to behold? Most people view them as a problem to be solved, including most churches. Even most youth workers who care about them still view them as a problem to be solved. Mm. That is not, I would suggest, that is not God's perspective. God sees them as wonders to behold. That lens, do you have a problem to be solved lens or a wonder to behold lens, needs to be brought to this, these discoveries about brains. The underdevelopment of the prefrontal cortex has been primarily reported through a problem to be solved lens. In other words, the interpretation has been, see, it's what we always expected. Teenagers are broken and incapable. We should treat them as children, which is called infantilization, and we should remove responsibilities from them, and we should contribute to the lengthening of adolescence. Uh, wonder to behold perspective says, oh, no, man, there's got to be a good reason why this is here, why their brains are this way. Interestingly enough, a complete atheist, secular, evolutionary biologist is kind of asking the same question. They're saying the prefrontal cortex would not be underdeveloped in teenagers unless there was some positive function for that. Mm. From a Christian worldview, it's pretty easy for me to anchor that in creation and say, what was God's loving and positive intention in making yeah. teenage brains this way? And you start to come up with things like, well, man, they are seriously hard, hardwired for passion. Yeah. There's no, and look, intuitively, we youth workers know that. Yeah. And, right? and for but risk a, as well, I guess. For risk, and it's huge. That is a big deal. They, and they need that in order to figure out the world, right? Yeah. They, we as older adults, we, we get risk averse. It's actually one of the reasons why I've said, churches, you've got to have teenagers leading and co-leading with adults at every level because they're willing to take risks that adults aren't. And it's because their brains are the way they are. Mm. Yeah. What, well, Marco, that is an incredible challenge. And um, what I don't want to do uh, is um, squash out all of that really critical stuff that you said up front was kind of the most important thing, and that is about the onset of abstract thinking. So what we will do is we will wrap up this episode of the Limitless Leadership Podcast, and we will have a part two in which we'll Whoa. really get into... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because um, I'm not risk averse, Marco. Uh, because, <laughs> that's not risky. You're old. We're, yeah, right. We'll, we'll, we'll have a part two in which we will really unpack this critical stuff about um, yeah about the onset of abstract thinking and all the implications that that has. So thank Great. you everybody uh, for listening. I, I, Marco, I, I, I often say this with the, with the podcast, but this is definitely one of those episodes that if people have been listening to this as they're out for a run or they're driving their car they're going to want to come back and get their notepads out and, and write some things <laughs> down because there's just been so much good information there um, and so we'll give you some time to re-listen to this episode to make some notes to think about the implications uh, and we'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast but let me just say as I always do I want to thank you guys for everything that you're doing to invest in the lives of young people you know you, you're not always seen you're not always 
thanked. You, you, what you do isn't always held in, in high esteem in the church, but we want you to know the smile of God is over your life today. So yes. keep going. Uh, you don't give up. What you're doing is really, really important. Don't forget to go check out Limitless Oxygen, uh, a training day for youth and children's ministry teams uh, in seven locations uh, across the British Isles. Uh, make sure you go check that out, limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash oxygen. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. <laughs>